Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. Today, I would like to start with a question. What if you could 15X your company in 24 months? We all understand that this is virtually impossible as a solopreneur, as delegation creates space for growth. It is very possible for you to 15X your business by dedicating yourself to becoming really good at hiring. This starts with changing your attitude. I hate hiring, or I'm not good at hiring, or I'll delegate this to someone else will not get you where you want to go. It also sets you and your team up for failure. So today is your wake up call to embrace getting really good at hiring because the lifeblood of your business is who you hire. I'm Rick Gerard and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest hires by sharing insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Johnny Robinson. Now, Johnny is the owner of Orange Window Cleaning and Mary and a mop maid service. During his freshman year in college, Johnny and his best friend Sergio started a window cleaning company by going door to door to small mom and pop businesses. As they continued to pound the pavement, the business started to grow through word of mouth and they started to see the potential for an actual business. By building a great reputation and doubling down on digital marketing, Orange Window Cleaning has at least doubled every year since they started the business. One key component to this rapid growth has been hiring for performance, which is what makes Johnny the perfect expert for today's topic. Johnny, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. What an intro. This is exciting. (laughs) I'm happy to have you, man. Now, for all of our audience, Johnny is part of my EO group, and he's probably one of the most switched on entrepreneurs that I know. He's like always creating new businesses and going, which I totally feed off of. So thank you, Johnny, for being you. (laughs) No problem, man. Always happy to help. We're going to talk about why it's important to change your relationship with hiring. And then we're going to talk about some of the lessons that Johnny's learned through building his company and then how we can convey that into your business. Sound like a plan? Sounds good. Let's do it. We started doing this a few weeks ago where we start out with a hiring story, either good or bad. And for some reason, everybody wants to tell their bad hire stories, which are kind of funny, right? I'm going to let you open up with that, Johnny. Tell us about maybe a story of a bad hire you made and what made it a bad hire. So I can proudly say, I don't know if I should proudly say, but uh, confidently say I have probably one of the worst hiring stories. Um, As you know, uh, Rick explained a little bit in the intro, I run Orange Window Cleaning and Marion and Mop. We've had up to eight W-2 employees at Orange Window Cleaning before. Right now, we use all subcontractors. But when we were building our team, uh, we would just mindlessly hire whoever. Whoever had two legs and could get up on a ladder, basically. So so long story short, I've actually never told this story publicly. And I tell a lot of stories and kind of business tips publicly. But I've never told this one. So uh, just because I'm a little reluctant to share. But I'm on Rick's show. So I got to bring the best story. And what happened was... Uh, we had two guys. One of them was an employee referral from one of the other guys. So we'll call them Jim and Bob. I'm not going to use their real name, but let's say Jim and Bob. And uh, we had one of those employees referred from Jim. And so Jim and Bob happened to be on a truck cleaning windows together that day. And they're on the last job of the day. And I get a call from our office manager saying, hey, uh, Jim and Bob just finished up at, at this customer's house and they're really mad because they didn't do, they missed a window or something. I said, okay, well, they just left, so go ahead and send them back. And she goes, no, they don't want them back. 
And so, boom, there's the gut punch. And I'm thinking, oh, no, what happened? And I was not prepared for what came next, but she told me that they were caught doing drugs in their bathroom. (laughs) And so they were starting blow in the bathroom, doing blow in the bathroom. And I know it happened because the customer actually sent me pictures of the residue of what they were using. One went into the bathroom, turned the water on, left it on so they couldn't hear him, you know, snorting it up or whatever they were doing. And then another guy came in and did the same thing. So uh, my worst fears start start getting in my head. Oh, my God, if they leave a bad review and they post a picture, I'm screwed. Orange window cleaning is over with. I'm not going to have a business anymore. So all those things are racing through my head. But that was a big wake-up call for me um, because I know I needed to take hiring more seriously. So that was your wake-up call to taking hiring more seriously right there. That's a great story, by the way. Thank you for sharing that because, look, at we've all made bad hires. I've told a couple stories of – Hires that I thought were great and they were actually working out and they've turned into a disaster. And hey, it's great to know that it's not just you who made a bad hire. Let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you were facing when you were building the company or some of the challenges that people might be experiencing today. Yeah. Number one thing for me was I just hated hiring. I think most people can relate to that of just like hiring is a drain. And especially when you've got a bunch of problems going on and you're you the business owner wearing a ton of hats hiring is one thing you got to worry about on top of the marketing quality control fulfillment all this stuff so it really puts you in a bind when you need to hire so one i hated hiring but getting put in these positions over and over again of me getting out of the field and having to step back in the field because somebody called out or somebody uh, somebody quit unexpectedly or someone just didn't work out and i couldn't send them to jobs uh, i would have to step back in and that creates a bottleneck because the more that i'm in the field working in the business Uh, the more the business isn't growing. So a huge wake-up call that I had to uh, get over my hatred of hiring and really start to to take it seriously and build a system just like we did for marketing. So we really had to look at it in terms of marketing, like always be selling, always be marketing. Well, we realized we needed to always be hiring, especially after talking to Rick in our EO meetings and stuff. I was like, okay, this guy knows his stuff. So that was really the turning point was that, that story that I just told you guys. And then uh, building the system and the funnel around hiring good good people and then also doing a good job at vetting them and asking certain questions uh, that are tied to our core values so we can kind of bring in people who actually align with our goals and what we're doing as a company and not just somebody that has two legs in the ladder. You hated hiring. Let's talk a little bit about that because you're not alone in that. I've talked to so many entrepreneurs that either say, you know what, I'm not good at it. I don't like it. I'd rather hire somebody else to do it for me. That is something that is just like doing a pitch deck or doing something else for your business that you have to do. It's just as important. And I found that the entrepreneurs that really excel are the ones who really enjoy hiring. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, I didn't learn to enjoy it. I definitely still don't enjoy it, but I know it's something that's got to be done. While I get done with you, you'll love it. You'll be like, let's hire more people. (laughs) Hopefully, man, I'd love to get there. Getting good at hiring or embracing it. Why do you feel it's important to your company? Because uh, having a good hiring system in place is going to eliminate bottlenecks, right? I mean, if, you, if you're in a service-based business, service, I'm going to talk about a service-based business as an example because that's what I know. That's what I built, home service specifically. But if we want to grow our revenue, the number one thing is having the people in place to do so. Because me and Sergio, Sergio is my business partner to give you guys some background. Me and Sergio want to hop on a truck. Me and him can go dish out anywhere between 10 to 20K a month. Actually, us cleaning the windows five days a week. No problem. But what happens when we want to get to 40K or 60K, right? And we know a two-man crew can produce $20,000. Well, we need to create a system that replicates that. So uh, I kind of forgot what your question was because I'm rambling at this point, but could you remind me? 
Why was it important to your company that you got good at hiring? The reason it was important was because of the nature of how to scale this business, right? Had It relied solely on hiring. And as a business owner, especially a new business owner, you want to focus on sales. And if you're just focusing on sales and you're booking way too many jobs, it's like a it's like a two-legged stool, right? You need to make sure that that your your leads and your marketing is, is coinciding with your hiring. So you have enough guys to fulfill all the labor you're booking or all the jobs you're booking. And so we were, what we're doing is we were booking way too many jobs. And so realizing that I needed to start to like hiring more uh, because I have to, like it's the nature of the business. If I want to grow the business to get to a million dollars, I have to learn how to hire properly and vet guys. You said something really interesting earlier, which was you're hiring like it's a marketing activity, right? You probably have grown to love the marketing side because you're kind of seeing some traction and you're seeing things happen. I think they're so similar, sales, marketing, and hiring. I think if you tell yourself that I'm going to make a sale today, then you're going to manifest it and make a sale today. If you tell yourself, hey, I'm really good at hiring, I love hiring, then I think that's going to make a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, we have... Self-talk is definitely important. I mean, especially when you compare it to sales. I mean, the best sales guys always have good self-talk, always have good mental exercises before they go into closing deals, things like that. So yeah, I mean, it's it's huge. It, like your self-talk, especially around any any subject you want to improve on is super important because if you tell yourself you're bad at it or you don't like it, then yeah, you're not going to get good at it. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. For our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources and a link to order your book, Healing Career Wounds, which is your new guide to landing the strongest hires. We're talking to Johnny Robinson, who's the owner of Orange Window Cleaning. And we're talking about really how to transform your hiring practices to get to a point where you love it. He doesn't love it yet. The episode's not over, so we're going to work on that. Let's talk about how we solve this problem, right? Let's break down, if you can, for me, how did you avoid making that next hire of another cocaine cowboy? <laughs> cocaine cowboy. Yeah, so we realized after, after we let him go, we're like, okay, we need to just stop, um, you know, overly jumping the gun on hires. And it's okay if we have to go in the field for a bit and, and start telling ourselves, look, sometimes you just have to, you have to hire slow. So we switched our focus from hiring super fast and, and urgency-based hiring and fear-based hiring, really, because uh, we were kind of operating from a scarcity mentality of like, we just need guys to grow, need guys to grow. So we're like, okay, let's jump back in the field for a bit. Let's really focus on the process. And so what we did was we created <clears throat> we created a like a two-step hiring process where we would put up paid ads on like Indeed or something like ZipRecruiter. And we would have, uh, my mom wasn't doing much at the time, so we were paying her to, to vet all the uh, inbound applicants. And so we'd vet them out. She would ask them strategic questions, uh, scenario-based questions that would tie to our core values. Um, like, tell me about a time you faced adversity and, and pushed through it or whatever, and somehow that would tie to a core value. I can't think back on the exact questions we would ask because we don't run that same funnel anymore. We use subcontractors. But uh, things like that, it wasn't like the basic questions uh, you hear uh, in the normal interview process. Sure. So that was key. And uh, and only the best applicants would get pushed through to then Sergio, who would then do the final call and make the judgment on whether or not uh, to hire them. The vetting process was actually getting how many people through, because you're screening out probably a lot more than what normally would have gotten through the funnel. Yeah, we would be getting, I think, one to 200 applicants a week, and then we would take five to six on the calls. Okay. And then end up hiring. We would test different things. We'd end up hiring one. We would hire a group 
like so maybe out of those six we'd hire four and then we knew we were going to keep two and we would say look we're going to bring you on for a training day and it's this doesn't mean you're hired it's going to make sure it's a good fit so you can pick up the squeegee you can get to learn how to do this stuff see if it's a good fit for you but also see if it's a good fit for us as well and so that way we would vet down um like it, it was so good because then you whip out the 32 foot ladder and say okay right, can you climb up this ladder and the guys were kind of shaken and you know all nervous about it we kind of know right from the jump like okay they're probably not going to be a good fit and just like you can tell little signs based on how they work how quickly they work whether or not they're trying to figure out something to do or if they're just standing around waiting to be told what to do so that was a good way to really really vet good guys and that was that was also the way we were able to land really really good a couple of our really really good employees well let's go back to referrals so you had mentioned earlier that you had we'll call him cocaine cowboy number one brought in one of his friends so that was a referral was this a problematic employee before the cocaine incident or was it actually somebody who was a good employee and just got caught so he was really good to start so the reason we liked him was because he had the window cleaning experience already down in another county and he had moved to to orange county and i was like okay uh, you know, he's got the experience. We did a test cleaning for him. We said, hey, come clean, come clean this house. See how you do. Clean it by himself super quick. And uh, there was really no signs there of kind of uh, substance abuse. And so we we're like, well, let's give him a shot. And so he was pretty good for the first couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden we started seeing signs of of substance abuse. And we were like, OK, well, this is getting concerning. And it, it, ultimately, it, at the end of the day, it was on us. We should have canned him the moment he was showing signs of that. But what happened was we prolonged that and then look what happens. Something that nobody wants to happen. Worst fear of any business owner. They go and do drugs at the customer's house. Number two, was this somebody who was a friend of his that he referred into the company? Yeah. Okay. Not a friend that he was necessarily close to. Um, it was more of a high school friend and uh, they had kept in touch here and there. They weren't super close, but I mean, I guess they got rekindled real quick. <laughs> they, were, they were close enough. <laughs> Close enough to share a straw or a dollar bill or something, right? That brings up a really interesting point, which is taking a referral from another person wasn't necessarily one of your A players, right? I talk a lot about referrals on this show and how it's really important to work that network. When you brought that person in, did that person go through the same vetting process or because it was a referral, was it kind of maybe a fast track hire? Yeah, because it was a referral, it was a fast track hire. But like you said, it wasn't an A player we were getting a referral from. It was... Uh, you know, a B, a C, I would even call him a D player. So you can kind of get a feel for what kind of person that's going to attract based on who he's referring. So you stop taking referrals from lower performers then at that point. Right, exactly. Yeah. And referrals have worked well for us when they're from A players. That's a really good point. Consider the source of the referral. But also you don't fast track people because C players can refer in somebody who's an A player but you just got to vet them just like you would anybody else. Somebody that you don't know, don't take anybody's word for it. I think that creates unfairness in the interview process when you just automatically assume somebody's going to be good or you fast track somebody because of the fact that they came in through Silent Bob, or whoever it was. You talked a little bit about vetting, this pre-qualification process tied to your core values. You guys were creating basically behavioral questions, putting it in your phone screen. Right, exactly. So yeah. My mom would ask them all those questions and then also do kind of a vibe check, right? If how the person's talking to them on the phone, are they excited? Do they seem like they don't care? Um, you can get a good feel for someone just by the tone of their voice and how serious they're taking the interview. Did you guys ever try the question? Walk me through a time when you left cocaine at a job site. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> didn't think of that one. <laughs> if somebody actually tried to answer it, that would let you know whether or not somebody else had a drug problem, right? Great job of vetting kind of people as you move them through. What would be the next step that you put in the process? Yeah, so then we would take the best five to six of those that we had calls with. Sometimes my mom would do 20 calls in a day. So she's grinding through these applicants. And after that, they then either do, we tested a few things. So what we do, we did the live training, which worked really well. We also did group interviews where we take those five, six and throw them in a group interview. And what would happen was uh, none of them would show up sometimes. So that was cool. But uh, we would do that or we would just do a one-to-one with uh, Sergio and the top applicants, top four to, or five to six applicants. And they would come to the office, sit down with Sergio. He would then do an in-person uh, interview, get do again, get kind of a vibe check. How do they show up to the interview? I mean, we're not, it's a window cleaning job. We're not expecting you to be dressed to the, you know, to the nine, but at least show up presentable. And so uh, that was a good way to kind of get a feel for someone, see if they're a good fit. And uh, yeah, get, just get the vibe check. You mentioned that you tied this to a marketing activity, right? What were you doing to kind of treat this process like a marketing activity? Yeah, so we would do, uh, so like I said, always be marketing, always be hiring. That's, that's the mentality we took to to the business. And so we were we constantly spend money on advertising, anywhere between 5 to 15% on marketing a month of revenue. So we did the same thing uh, with hiring. So we would just be spending maybe $100, $200 a week uh, just to get applicants in the door at all times. I think the last piece that you told me about was that you really set a pay structure that helped to accelerate the business. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so, and then we realized uh, we were paying our guys hourly. A lot of them were getting off at 5, 6, sometimes 7 or 8 p.m. And uh, it was bothering us because we're like, how are they not working fast? How are they not working fast? Well, we had to think in the minds of an employee where getting paid by the hour, whether you like it or not, 99% of the time, it's very rare you find someone in my experience that uh, doesn't work a little bit slower to get paid more because you're getting paid by the hour. Like literally the more time you stay, the more you get paid. Plus past eight hours in California, you start getting OT. So uh, we realized, okay, well, we need to figure out a way to cut down, cut that down. Uh, one, because guys, like there's, there was guys on our team who wanted to get off earlier, but they're getting up five, six. And we needed a way to incentivize performance. So what we did was we came up with a commission-based structure. I say commission, it wasn't a sales role. I say commission because it was a commission of the, the truck's invoice for the day. So let's say the truck was doing $1,000. A technician was doing all those jobs by himself. He would make anywhere between 25 to 30% of that depending on where he was at on the pay scale, our better guys are making closer to 30%. So that way their income is fixed and there's a floor too, right? Like you can't go below minimum wage. If they take so long that they're making less minimum wage, we'll just pay the minimum wage. But this worked out really well because now you can work and get jobs done as fast as you want them, as fast as you can get them done and get off earlier at three to 4 PM. Our margin our cost of goods sold is now more predictable because it's fixed, right? Like if they're getting paid 29%, we know our, our cost of goods sold is going to be around 29%. So that actually brought our cost of goods sold way down by like a 10% margin. And then our guys started getting off uh, way earlier. They started doing better jobs and they started, and we vetted out everybody who's just not an A player. Everybody who was milking the clock and didn't want to work they didn't like the change at all. Like we got a lot of pushback from our team on that and we lost a lot of people, but it worked out well. I love the idea of performance-based pay structure, putting something in place where you're giving time back to people, 
but also they're performing at their optimal level while they're working for you. Does it really matter if they work the eight hours? No, not really. You're better off getting four hours of really good work in than you are eight hours of not great work. Yeah, exactly. It worked out great. Highly recommend if you're in a home service-based business. I follow you 100%. One of the things that pops into mind is that as you have been talking about what you guys set up and you're talking about A players, giving them what they want in order for them to perform, that is highly valuable, I think, for every business is that what people want or what's going to keep people performing the way you need them to perform. It's on an individual basis, but you have to really take that into consideration. I think when you start seeing people who are better hires and they're sticking around, they're doing well, that practice that you put into place gets you to a point where you're going to start to love hiring more and more because you're attracting better people. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, we switch our mentality from, you know, like I already said, like you treat it, treat it like sales. Like you need an, you need an appointment setter and you need a closer. And my mom was the appointment setter. Sergio was the closer. Same thing. We're getting pretty close on time. I told you it flies by, right? I'm having fun. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that can plug into their business today? Yeah. So number one, uh, number one helped me a ton was industry specific podcasts. And obviously it's not going to work if you're in some like random niche industries, probably not a podcast about it, but there are podcasts on most things. So uh, home service that home service expert podcast with Tommy Mello was huge for us. I mean, we learned all like the performance based things from him and what he would talk about and how he incentivizes his employees. He's building a billion dollar garage door repair business. So he's all about hiring and training and incentivizing. So don't forget higher power radio, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm talking about home, home service specifically, right? I know uh, industry specific podcast, but yeah, go to hiring guy Rick for sure. Um, definitely helped me out a ton just with quick questions and stuff I had, and then stop taking referrals from the wrong people, right? Like no referrals from C players, maybe a B player if you if you're feeling good about it, but definitely no referrals from uh, from C players, and then try to like a couple things. One. Vet them really well with pre-qualification questions, right? Setter and closer, and then always be hiring. Like seriously, always have a set percentage of revenue set aside to hire employees because you need to be investing in your hiring process. That's the only way you can scale. Johnny, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our audience could find you, find your company, and maybe engage you? Yeah, definitely. So I'm really active on pretty much all platforms uh, where we're doing tons of content around the home service space and, and kind of sweaty startups or uh, we run our home service business completely remotely. So we teach people how to uh, run businesses completely remotely. And you can find us at squeegee God on Twitter or Johnny and Sergio on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok. So it's just Johnny and spelled out Sergio on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube or squeegee God on Twitter. Thank you to our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. After all, this content's for you, so we want to make sure that we're providing valuable content on a weekly basis. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or you can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Nicholas Vanderbee. He is the co-founder and CEO of Chili Piper. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. 
Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Jerome.